You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. First Peter chapter 5, I want you to do your best to make sure that everybody is looking at a Bible. Look around, make sure that everybody can see one. First Peter chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, maybe taking some time to explain as we go, but the Bible says, The elders which are among you I exhort. That word elder is a Bible term for pastor. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. What is the exhortation that he is given to these pastors? Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. Feed them and lead them, not by constraint, but willingly, not because you have to, but because you want to. Not for filthy lucre, which is talking about greedy purposes, not for money, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage. I love that. Remember, just because you're the leader doesn't mean you're the owner. This is God's heritage, not yours. If you steal somebody else's heritage, you're a thief. Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being examples or examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, that's Jesus, hint, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. That's pretty cool to be a pastor and read that. Amos chapter 3. Amos chapter 3 is where we'll be next. Do your best to keep your place in, in both, just in case you're wanting to reference them as we go. Anyone want to guess Amos' occupation other than prophet? He's a shepherd. So he's going to know what he's talking about. Psalm 23 resonates with us when David says, The Lord is my shepherd, because David was a shepherd. So he speaks from experience, and he pulls from that experience in order to illustrate the relationship that we have between Jesus and, and ourselves. And here we have another shepherd, and look what he says in verse 12. Thus saith the Lord, as the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear. What, what does a piece of an ear have as far as value is concerned? As the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out that dwell in Samaria in the corner of a bed and in Damascus in a couch. I want to preach to you tonight about the heart of a shepherd. Heavenly Father, we do need you, as Brother Dusty prayed, 
It's wonderful to see so many of your people here. We're praying for those who cannot be here. It's wonderful to see new people here at our church. Lord, you're always bringing people in and and giving us an opportunity to invite more people into our family, and we're so thankful for that. All of us remember the first time we came to this place, and I hope that those who are new here feel just as welcome as we did when we first came. I ask that you would make them feel welcome. Lord, if there is sin in anybody's life, we certainly don't want to feel comfortable tonight. We don't believe church is a place where we should feel comfortable if we're in sin. But we should be able to find help. And I ask that you would give us help from your word. Help us to leave here a little bit closer to you and having learned more of your Bible than when we had first come in. If there are any souls here who do not know for sure that they're going to heaven when they die, would you please convict them of their need for a Savior and draw them in, Father, by your love and show them that there is grace enough at the cross for them tonight. Save them as you saved me and saved so many of us from our sin. We are so undeserving and so unworthy. We need your mercy. You are so holy, we are so wicked, and we need your mercy. Please, Father, save the soul that must be saved today and revive the backslidden and bring the prodigal home, but most of all, glorify your name. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Many argue that the line of separation between a leader and follower must never be breached, must never be crossed, it must never be even faded in any way, that it must be drawn thick and black and dark. That if a leader will lead, it's necessary for him to be separate from those who follow him. I certainly agree that there are lines that must not be crossed if the leader wishes to be a leader. I, I think if a leader won't act like a leader and understand that there are certain luxuries that are lost with leadership... I certainly agree that when a leader wants to act like a follower, he's not a leader. I also believe that if a leader draws a line of separation so thick and so vast between he and follower that he comes across as unapproachable, untouchable, uncaring, that he's not a leader either. Because you're not a leader unless you have followers and nobody wants to follow that. So it's a fine line to draw. It's a line I'm learning. Many have leaned too far either way and brought great detriment to their ministries. Only a few have learned how to draw this line in the area where it belongs. None have drawn it perfectly except for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
but for you, my beloved Wednesday night crowd. There's something special about people who come on a Wednesday night. Or maybe you're thinking, this is the first time I've ever been here. Well, you're special. <laughs> There's something different between a Wednesday night and a Sunday night. There really is. I think on Sunday night, a lot of people go because maybe they love preaching. Sunday morning, I like preaching, so I'll go. Sunday night, if they're going to come back, I think that's because they love the Bible. I want to learn more about it, so I'll go back Sunday night. When people come on Wednesday night, I think it's because they love the Lord. So for you, my beloved Wednesday night crowd, I feel liberty to pull back the curtain of division between leader and follower just a little bit tonight. Every time I preach, I let you into my mind. I know it's a dangerous place. But I let you into my mind as I explain a passage of scripture. I really just try to relay it to you as the Lord has relayed it to me. Tonight, we're going to go past the gate of my mind. And we're going to unlock the door of my reasons. And I do have reasons for what I do. A lot of times, even as parents, you ever feel that you know, I do all these things and my kids don't understand my reasoning behind it. Well, I'm going to unlock that door and show you my reasoning for things. We're going to go through that locked door and we're going to travel down the winding staircase into the chambers of my heart. Now, what's the purpose of going there? I would have you visualize it this way. Lining the walls of the chambers of my heart are pictures of everything that I hold dear. Taking up, oh, by the way, your heart's the same way. Taking up the main spot on the wall of my heart is whatever or whoever is most important to me at the moment. I'd like to be able to tell you that Jesus' picture has always been there. It's not always the case. Sometimes I take his picture down and I put up a hobby. Sometimes I take his picture down and I put up a sport or a job or a deadline or a goal, dream that I have, a problem. A lot of problems go up in that space. How stupid to take down the solution and put up the problem. So I hope tonight that when we walk by, because again, I'm going to let you in, I hope his picture is in his rightful place. But if you were to look around in my heart, I think you'd see a lot of pictures of things that would not surprise you. You'd see my wife's picture there. You'd see my kids, my parents, my siblings, some of my cousins and aunts and uncles. <laughs> See my Bible, my prayer closet, the route that I walk around my neighborhood or by the water where I pray. You'd see fudge rounds. 
you'd see the Chicago Blackhawks. Now they're in a poorly lit corner right now, but they're there. The Cubs are tucked in next to them. The Bears were taken down a long time ago. <laughs> I printed off the White Sox picture just so I could burn it. <laughs> my library, you'd see my library in there, all these things that I hold dear. But I'm not taking you in there to show you any of those pictures. I'm taking you in there because I want you to see, every single one of you, whether it's your first time here or your 600th time here, I don't care. You're here tonight. I want you to see on that wall is your picture. That's the heart of a shepherd. And your picture is not in a dimly lit and damp corner. Your picture is in the grand entryway where it cannot be overlooked. I pray for you every time I see it. Perhaps you say, Pastor, it's not necessary to show us your heart. We know you love us already. I hope that's true. But still, I want to go beyond telling you I love you, and I want to show you that I love you. Would you also give me a little bit of a break knowing that whenever the Bible talks about our hearts, it says that it's desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? So when somebody says, you have my heart, that's a pretty horrible thing to say. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I love you as much as I can possibly love somebody. But beyond showing you that I love you, I want to show you how I love you. Because I am coming to the realization that sometimes the way a pastor shows his love does not seem very loving at all. Sometimes when a pastor is screaming, I love you, all the church sees is that the pastor is screaming. Now, I will be the first to admit, there are times when the things that I do as a pastor, the things that I say as a pastor, that are based out of my love for you, do not feel very loving. But there is a reason pastors are the way that we are. And the reason is not just that we're crazy. Parents, you know what I mean. You love your kids. You wish that life was structured in such a way that you could always show your love to those kids by buying them an ice cream cone and hugging them sincerely. But sometimes, the best way you can show your love is by putting away the ice cream cone and picking up a rod of correction. Sometimes the best way you can show your love is not by buying them an ice cream cone, but telling them no. And in fact, the argument can be made if when you're supposed to tell them no, instead you're buying them an ice cream, you don't 
love them. Sometimes instead of showing your love by giving them a hug, which you've, you would always like to do, sometimes you have to point your finger and teach them you can't do that. Not and be an upstanding member of society. You can't throw a fit in HEB plus because you didn't get your midnight fudge snicker bar. Now you can, you can do it if you want, but then I'm gonna throw a fit too. I did a couple things with my parents, once. <laughs> At that moment when you do that with your children, the child may begin to wonder, do, do, they, do they love me? Do they really love me? I mean, they seem angry and bothered and upset with me. When the truth is, if we didn't love our children, we wouldn't be bothered, we wouldn't get upset, and we wouldn't get angry with things that bring a threat to their growth and to their safety. So to talk to you about the heart of a shepherd, Let's be straight here. I, I'm not the chief shepherd. We get that. I do not own you, but the Lord is trusting me to lead you. Now, I hope you don't follow me unless I follow Christ. But if I follow Christ, I hope you follow. The pastor is referred to in the Bible as the shepherd and the local church, the sheep. Paul told the elders, the pastors in Ephesus, in Acts chapter 20, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. You need to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. So I am in no way wishing to elevate myself above where the Lord has placed me. I, I am not the pastor here because I love calling the shots. If any of you know anything about me, you know I don't like that. I'm not the pastor here because I love calling the shots. I'm the pastor here because I would be disobeying God. I would be out of God's will if I disobeyed his calling on my life to be here. Now, along with that, I'm not the pastor here because I have to be. Again, it's not by constraint, it's willingly. I'm not the pastor here because I have to be. I'm the pastor here because God wants me to be, and I willingly follow where he leads me. And frankly, it's been the best three years of my life. Along with that, my goal as the pastor here is not to obtain the praise of men because that fades away. Now focus in, don't worry about it. My goal here is not to obtain the praise of men that fades away. My goal is to obtain a crown of glory that fadeth not away. But what I'm trying to tell you is I will never obtain that crown unless I fulfill the divine responsibility that God has entrusted me to fulfill, which is to take care of you in his name. And sometimes taking care of the flock looks like I don't care. Messages are preached that are hard to hear. Even Jesus 
said some things and the people said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Sometimes taking care of the flock means preaching messages that are hard to hear and having personal conversations that are difficult and having corrections given that are stern. Having meetings called that are uncomfortable. And if you think they're uncomfortable for you, And sometimes when the, the flock is being taken care of, i got to be honest, it, it just seems like the pastor's down. It seems like the pastor's upset. It, things like, it seems like overall he's just unhappy. Now, I am not saying that, I need you to hear this. I am not saying that every hard, hard message that I've ever preached has been justified. I'm not saying that every personal conversation I've had has been necessary. I'm not saying that every correction I've given was proper. I'm not saying that every meeting I've called should have been called. Sometimes I'm down because I'm a grump. And I need to snap out of it. And I need to get right. But other times, and I'd like to hope that most times, when I'm uptight and I'm upset, and you can tell I'm tired and I'm angry in this pulpit. It's because I love you. I promise that's not a cop-out. If you don't understand what I'm saying, I'm hoping the verse in Amos chapter 3 is going to shed light on what I mean. So in the time of Amos, Israel is comfortably enjoying her life. Worshipping idols, living in sin, doing whatever they want to do. So God interrupts their comfort through Amos, who is a shepherd. So if he thinks about an illustration, what's the first thing he's going to go to? What he's most familiar with? So God interrupts Israel's comfort here by this message from Amos, as the shepherd goes up to the mouth of a lion and takes out a piece of an ear and a couple pieces of, of a leg of the sheep, that is exactly what is going to happen to Israel if you guys don't change your ways. Sin is pleasurable for a season. You're all comfortable in your sin now, and the world is okay with being your buddy at the moment. But if you don't change, the day, that's, the day is going to come when they're going to chew you up, and only pieces are going to be left. That's the basic message of this verse. But I think you'll see with me, it doesn't take much digging to find a, a well of lessons here, just flowing from this illustration of a shepherd and the sheep. For instance, just in mentioning the shepherd, can't we ask this question, what's the need for a shepherd in the first place? Shouldn't we ask ourselves that question? 
So let's look first of all at the placement of a shepherd. Why is, why is a shepherd placed among the sheep? Why do we need a shepherd? Why not just let the sheep choose a leader amongst them, kind of like dogs do, you know? Let's just work out our hierarchy, and whichever one's the alpha, you lead. Why don't we do that? That's not how sheep work. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they were scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Why is that such a bad thing? Plenty of other animals make it without any type of external leadership. Why can't sheep make it? What's so dangerous about just letting sheep fend for themselves? Sheep can't fend for themselves. The best thing that has sheep has found to do if it is under threat is run as fast as you can at it with your face. Headbutt it. Boom. It's the best thing that sheep can do. Without a shepherd, let's just put it this way. A shepherd is placed over the sheep for many reasons, but here's one main reason. There are predators in the world. And without a shepherd, the sheep will be scattered and picked off one by one. A shepherd is placed over the flock to be a line of defense between the sheep and the predators. Why does a church need a pastor? Because somebody needs to guard against the wolves in sheep's clothing. And somebody needs to guard against the lion that walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now, a shepherd loves making his sheep comfortable. A good shepherd will make sheep lie down in green pastures and lead them beside still waters. But sometimes comfort has to be set aside for the sake of safety. I'm not going to make you lie down in green pastures when there's a wolf around. I'm not going to lead you beside still waters when there's a lion there. Sometimes comfort has to be set aside for safety's sake. Before the shepherd can ever think about making his sheep feel comfortable, he has to make sure they're safe. That's his first job. I love making you all feel comfortable. I enjoy that probably more than anything else in the world. But at the end of the day, it is not my job to get you through this life comfortable. It's my job to get you through this life safe from predators. I will give an account to God one day for each and every one of you that have sat underneath the sound of my voice. I take that very seriously, and I am dreading every name and every face of somebody that I have lost to the world's predators since I've been a pastor. And believe me, I don't forget them. 
The shepherd is placed to protect the flock. So then consider with me secondly, if we're talking about first the placement of the shepherd, consider with me secondly then the fear of the shepherd. Can we read just a little bit in between the lines here and talk about the fear that this shepherd must have felt when one of his sheep goes missing? There is not one service I don't stand up here and scan and look for you. And when you're not here, I'm afraid. Oh, well, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Doesn't mean the spirit of fear ain't there. When you're not here, I'm afraid. Oh, pastor will be fine said every sheep that was eaten by a predator. Forgive me if I don't buy that. And that's what a lot of people want. I want to go to a church where the pastor will leave me alone. That's not a pastor. That's a hireling. Focus in, focus in. When you say, Pastor, I'm just missing church for work. And even you have said, Pastor, even you said that sometimes you have to miss church for work, and sometimes you have to miss for school, and sometimes you have to miss for this, and sometimes you have to miss for sports, and some life happens. I understand it. I understand it. I understand it. But I'll never like it. I will never like it. I understand that life happens, but so does death. There is a very real devil out there that wants nothing more than to devour you. And when you are not in the fold, you're not safe. Perhaps a hireling won't fear for the safety of their flock, but a shepherd will. Perhaps other preachers won't fear for your safety while you're missing. This one does. Well, just shut it off. I've tried. The Lord has not given me that capacity. Some of you have that switch in your brain. I wish it was transplantable, but it's not. So then what? Well, in this verse, isn't the search of the shepherd also implied? At some point, we know the shepherd comes face to face with the lion that attacked. So that shows us right there that when this sheep goes missing, the shepherd didn't just write it off. Ah, oh, whatever. I got plenty of others. Ah, oh, whatever. Everyone's replaceable. I've heard somebody in ministry say that. Ah, oh, everyone's replaceable. My Bible teaches everyone's restorable. Everyone's replaceable. I've got others. No, 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 no. That's one of my sheep. And this flock is not the same without you. This flock isn't the same without him. This flock isn't the same without her. This flock isn't the same without that senior saint. This flock isn't the same without that young teenage bus kid. Yes, I notice when they're missing, and so should you. 
I'm going to need your help with that. We've got so many people here now. I, sometimes I go weeks and think, where have they been? Flock isn't the same without that young father. Flock isn't the same without that single mother. Flock isn't the same without that new convert. Oh, what's the big deal about a new convert? It's not like they're, it's not like they're what? Contributing to the ministry? How about the fact that they're, they're a part of the family of Christ? I have to go and I have to find them. That's, that's the heart of a shepherd. Why do shepherds go and search for missing sheep? Why do they do that? Why, and why, as the shepherd is leaving to go and find the sheep, why do they look behind from the pulpit on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights or in personal conversations? Why, as they're leaving, do they look back and say, this is why, this is why I beg you constantly to stay close. This is why I beg you to stay in the fold and stay in your Bible and stay in prayer and stay in church and stay close to each other. Is somebody going to ask, why, why doesn't the shepherd just brush it off and go to sleep? Not when there's a sheep missing. Not when I have no clue what their well-being is. Not when there's an enemy out there. That's the, care, that's the care of a shepherd. If, if a shepherd didn't care, he wouldn't go out searching. But because he cares, I've got to go out and search. It's my job. The Lord entrusted you to me, and I am not going to face him having not looked for you. Done everything I can to find you. But then imagine what goes through this shepherd's mind. When as he's searching for this sheep, he finds out that a lion has taken it. I'm pulling back the curtain here. What do you think goes through my mind? When in my search for a church member, I find out that while they're gone, they've relapsed into drugs. Or I find out they're back drinking again. Well, you have church members who fall back into drinking. And, yeah, we reach people. If we don't have people in our church that are struggling with sin, we're not reaching people. And if the devil isn't attacking them with temptations, the devil doesn't care about us. And that's an even bigger problem. But what do you think goes through my mind when, while I'm searching for a church member, I find out that they've been unfaithful to their spouse? Or I find out they're not reading their Bible. And they're not praying and they are getting this idea, they're following some false teacher online and they're getting this idea that church isn't important. Christ died for the church, it's important. Oh, I just don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says to meet three times a week. What do I always say? You're right. Every day, You're right. Every day they met. How do you, what do you think goes through my mind when in my search for people that I love, I find out they've, they've been missing church for no good reason? 
Missing church to party. Missing church to watch sports. Missing church to... How do you think I feel? What do you think goes through my mind? What do you think goes through my heart? When in my search, I find out that a lion of sin has taken somebody that I care about. What am I supposed to do? I'll tell you exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to do exactly what this shepherd did. I'm going toe-to-toe with that lion. I'm battling with that lion, and I'm getting my sheep back. How else did this shepherd go and take pieces out of the lion's mouth? Give it back! He battled that thing and he killed it. He killed it. Nothing gets me ready to fight. Like seeing the lion of sin attacking somebody that I love. Maybe other preachers can leave that alone. I can't. If the lion of sin has the nerve to attack one of my sheep, you better believe I have the nerve to attack him. 100%. You better believe I'm going to kill it from this pulpit and I'm going to kill it in prayer. But pastor, look, look. Look at the sheep in the verse. Look. There's only pieces left. It's It's already gone. The sheep is already gone. Nothing that you do What is killing the lion going to do other than put you in danger? You can't get the sheep back. It's already dead. Maybe you're right. But if I can kill that lion from the pulpit in prayer, I'll make sure it never takes any one of you. When I lose a sheep to the lion of drugs, I'm going to kill that lion from this pulpit. When I lose a sheep to the lion of alcohol, you better believe I'm going to kill that lion from this pulpit. And when I lose a sheep to the lion of partying or apathy or missing church, no devotional life, wrong friends, wrong music, low standards, whatever it is, you better believe I'm going to kill it. Maybe I can't get that other one back. But I can stop it from killing you. And I will. I feel that sometimes people feel that I enjoy preaching hard messages against sin. That I just live for it. That I love getting up here and just setting my fuse off and just... I enjoy it about as much as a shepherd would enjoy fighting with a lion. The truth is, I'd rather not fight lions. The truth is, I'm not skipping away from the flock thinking, here's another one. Here's another battle to get into. I'm not thinking that. But when there's a lion that keeps coming into the flock, or when there's a flock, piece of the flock that keeps on going out, I'm going to fight. It's my job. Maybe some people think that I fight over things that are unnecessary. 
Pastor, we're not leaving the flock. We're just walking on the edge. We're not dropping all of our standards. We're just lowering them. We're not getting wasted. We're just social drinking. We're not doing crack. We're just smoking pot. We're not stopping our devotions. We're just balancing life here. That's it. That's, we're just balancing life. And sometimes I don't have time to read my Bible and I don't have time to pray. Just chill. Just chill. I'm not withholding my giving. I'm just not as consistent as I used to be. I'm not leaving the flock. I'm just walking the edge. Just, just take it easy. I will not take it easy. When a lion comes to the flock, guess who's the first ones to get picked off? The ones on the edge. Stay close. It's difficult. I told myself I wasn't going to yell tonight. It's difficult not to be loud in the pulpit. It's difficult not to come across angry. It's difficult to hide the burden. When the lion of sin is attacking people that I love, How can I not stand here and plead with you? How can I not? How many sheep have to be devoured before you stay close? How many times do I have to stand up here and warn like Amos? Sin is always enjoyable at first. And the world is okay with being your buddy at first. But the day is going to come where it's going to eat you. And at that moment, there's only going to be pieces left And that is the biggest sorrow of a shepherd's heart. When a lion gets a hold of a sheep, it's not pretty. Usually there's only pieces left. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to help somebody put their life back together after sin has chewed them up and spit them out. But there's basically nothing left. I'm not a surgeon. I'm a shepherd. Pastors aren't surgeons. We're shepherds. Our job is not to put the pieces back together after the lion has gotten you. Our job is to keep you in so that the lion will never get you. And in order to do that, I'm going to constantly remind you there are lions in this world. There are wolves in this world. There are predators in this world that don't care about you. And I'm going to come looking for you when you're missing. I'm not going to micromanage your life. I'm not going to be at your door 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> some, of you, some of the guests are thinking, I just turned in my information. <laughs> and this guy's nuts. I'm going to beg you to stay close, not walk the edge of Christianity. Because here, here's what I know, and here's what I'm trying to beg you all to see. If you just listen to God's word, and if you follow me as I follow Christ, but if you just listen to God's word, you will live your life in peace. But if you don't listen, you'll find your life in pieces. 
and there's only going to be so much I can do at that point. And you better believe, I do not want to wake up on that morning when your life is, is lying in pieces and be able to look in the mirror and tell myself, you could have done more and you should have done more. I'm not going to do that. That's why I can seem so uptight so often. And that's why I can seem upset at times. And that's why sometimes I lose my smile. And that's why sometimes I'm tired and I get angry in the pulpit because I love you and sin destroys the people I love. That's the heart of a shepherd. Well, pastor, just stop caring so much. That would sure make my life easier. But it's not what the chief shepherd would want. And I answer to him. And you know what? I'm glad that's not what the chief shepherd did for me. He searched for me when I went astray. I am glad Jesus left the 90 and 9 and came looking for me. He didn't say, I got plenty. He didn't say, serves him right. He didn't say, I warned him. He didn't listen. No, he cared for me and said, I will not rest until I find him. And when he found me, I was in the mouth of sin. And in order to take him out, he had to put himself in danger. But I'm glad he didn't say, well, too late. He looked at that lion and said, I'm coming for you. And he, he killed it on the cross. And he took out the pieces of my life and put them together into what you see today. But I will forever regret the pieces I lost. I am so glad that my earthly pastor growing up didn't stop caring. He warned me constantly, be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Stay close. I just want you to be safe. That's why I scream. That's why I yell. That's why when sin comes in, I kill it. Because if I don't, it'll kill you. And in that choice, it's an easy choice for me. Even though sometimes it makes my life a little harder. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.